Spoiler alert, everyone. Hello, everybody. It's yours truly, uh, one of your hosts, uh, Alan Price. And uh, it's just me here with you at the moment because, um, well, this episode was recorded a few days ago between uh, Chris Vint and myself uh, in regards to uh, it's our eighth episode of the 11 episodes dedicated to the men who have uh, played the Doctor. And... Um, you know, we thought all things were sunshine and rainbows, we had one thing to talk about, and that was the TV movie, simply. But then, all of a sudden, uh, the day before this is due to go up and air, uh, a little something is uh, revealed to us, uh, in the grand scheme of things, and uh, that is... That, uh, spoiler alert everybody, Paul McGann has made a second appearance proper on our TVs as the 8th Doctor, so uh, I'll just play you a little clip right now and let you enjoy this. Help me, please! Can anybody hear me? Please state the nature of your ailment or injury. I'm not injured, I'm crashing. Don't need a doctor. A clear statement of your symptoms will help us provide the medical practitioner appropriate to your individual needs. I'm trying to send a distress signal. Stop talking about doctors. I'm a doctor. But probably not the one you're expecting. But you're still here. I teleported them. Why you? Everyone else was screaming. Welcome aboard. Aboard what? I'll show you. Where are we going? Back of the ship. Why? Because the front crashes first. Think it through. Why did you do that? Emergency protocols. What's your name? Cass. You're young to be crewing a gunship, Cass. I wanted to see the universe. Is it always like this? If you're lucky. Don't worry, it's bigger on the inside. What did you say? Bigger on the inside? Is that what you said? Yes, come on, you'll love it. This is TARDIS. Yes, but you'll be perfectly safe, I promise you. Don't touch me! I'm not part of the war. I swear to you, I never was. You were a Time Lord. Yes, I'm a Time Lord, but I'm one of the nice ones. Get away from me! Oh, look on the bright side, I'm not a Dalek. Who can tell the difference anymore? Cass! It's deadlocked! Don't even try! Cass, just open the door! I'm trying to help! Go back to your battlefield! You haven't finished yet! Some of the universe is still standing! I'm not leaving this ship without you! Then you're gonna die right here! Best news all day! Yes, Cass! So yes, how awesome is that to start? There is another five or so minutes of that uh, prequel clip for you to actually go online and see for yourselves. It is absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to talk about it a wee bit here. Um, but firstly, this was mainly, you know, not only to talk about this uh, prequel, Night of the Doctor, but uh, to warn you that obviously everything that we talk about now in the forthcoming episode will be, you know, under the assumption that this prequel never occurred, you know, we'll be saying stuff along the lines of, you know, his only appearance as the Doctor, yada yada yada, you know, you get the drift. Um, so, this is going to be me talking for just a few minutes about this prequel, and uh, giving you my opinions on it, um, because Vinto's laptop 
decided not to want to connect the internet. So it's all down to me, everybody. So you get to listen to me ramble on for a couple of more minutes, uh, if I haven't rambled enough for you. But yes, uh, if you haven't seen it, go watch it first, then come back and hear me ramble. But uh, for all of you that have seen it, uh, we'll kick straight into this. So um, we see the, uh, you know, prequel starts out, you know, simple as you can expect. A spaceship flying through space, uh, looking like it's going to crash land. We see a girl's trying to uh, basically save herself sending out like SOS's and stuff and she's you know the computer's like misinterpreting her that uh, she has injuries and is in require of a physician a doctor and then we get to as you'll have heard in the clip um it's a fantastic way to reveal that Paul McGann was back uh for this prequel and uh, you know she's like stop talking about a doctor and uh, he's basically along the lines of you know, I'm a doctor, but perhaps not the one you were expecting. Almost kind of like a wee cheeky nod from Moffat to us, as in it isn't the doctor we were expecting to see in the prequel. We were expecting to see uh, solely John Hurt in this uh, Night of the Doctor prequel. We go to the opening credits, very quick opening credits, just saying, you know, Paul McGann. And uh, we come back, and uh, he's being typical doctor, you know. Um, you know, he's going to save the girl, bring her back to the TARDIS, off they go. But then there's this big snare in the whole plan that when this girl, Kaz, sees the uh, TARDIS and uh, figures out that he is a Time Lord, she becomes really resentful towards him and does not want a single thing to do with him. And she, like, um, locks down, uh, you know, the bulkhead between herself and him. And he's like, I'm not going to leave this ship without you, and uh, again, as you'll have heard in the clip, she says, oh, you know, well, then we'll both die, you know, first good news all day, and then we see that he uh, ends up getting uh, smashed to death, effectively, by the crash of this ship, and we see the sisterhood of Cairn, uh, who have had many uh, previous appearances in Doctor Who, be it in the TV show, or uh, the audiobooks uh, that uh, various Doctors have been involved in. But uh, nonetheless, we see that Paul McGann gets um, brought back to life by the Sisterhood of Cairn, and uh, it's explained to him that he merely has less than four minutes to live. It's a temporary measure, even though he thinks that he actually, in fact, managed to survive the uh, ship crash. And, uh, you know, they say that uh, because the powers on Cairn um, have very, very, like, amplified over Time Lords, they uh, they can decide, you know, they can help him, you know, mould what he can regenerate into. You know, he will need to regenerate if he wishes to stay alive beyond these four minutes. So, you know, she's like, you know, you can turn into fat or thin, smart or angry, man or woman, that cheeky wee hint. Thank you very much for that, Moffat, not really. But, um, you know, you can be angry, you can be smart, etc., etc. And eventually... Um, we find out that he decides that uh, he is going to choose to become a warrior because at this moment in time there really is no need for a doctor because the sisterhood explains that he is the one that can end the time war. We see him drink the cup of uh, whatever elixir that has been given to him and uh, he. it's a very good portrayal. I think it's nice to see this... Doctor, even though it is only a wee short, sort of about seven minutes uh, thing, to actually get to see various different things in regards to the character and the portrayal. 
and um, you see that he has had up until this point kind of a very calm demeanour throughout, but he's also had just these wee nicks of, you know, like, he can get a wee bit angry, and here he's just like, you know, get out! You know, leave me alone, and um, that hints back to the whole thing that David Tennant said in regards to his, uh, well, kind of ninth incarnation, you know, born out of battle, all that stuff, but uh, Stephen Moffat still isn't classing this as the ninth incarnation, you know, the regeneration into a ninth uh, individual, you know, doctor. But of course, after drinking the elixir, he regenerates into, uh, we see a reflection of a younger John Hurt. So the story that Moffat has been explaining about that Hurt's doctor has been around for some time uh, is indeed true. But we see in the credits that Hurt's doctor is not being referred to as simply the doctor anymore like it did in the name of the doctor. But in fact, he's being referred to as the war doctor. So... According to, it seems that in a lot of stuff that Moffat's been coming out with today, that um, he's explaining that the numbers of the Doctors are not the same, as in David Tennant is still the 10th Doctor, Matt Smith is still the 11th Doctor, Peter Capaldi is still going to be the 12th Doctor, but it is just a case of this is another version of the same Time Lord, but not a incarnation known as the Doctor, which I can completely understand. Yeah, I get that, you know, it means we don't have to change up the numbering system, but it still means that the individual, the Time Lord, that is in use of, you know, the demeanour known as the Doctor, no, you know, even though this specific incarnation of John Hurt is not the Doctor himself, it's still the same Time Lord, so it is still a regeneration used. So, in my head, I will still be, be effectively bumping up, you know, each doctor's number by one after this in terms of the whole, you know, regeneration limit and stuff like that. But I still will probably end up just referring to uh, David Tennant and uh, Matt Smith and all by their regular numbers, which is, you know, I'm happy enough with. You know, I'm not going to get too in-depth about that. Um, but again, we've actually already recorded our 10 and 11 stuff and 9 uh, as you hear this. So um, everything going forward has effectively been recorded everybody so including our 50th special so uh, do excuse the likes of this not being discussed in the actual 50th anniversary uh, episode that we do but um, like I was saying it was a really really fun prequel it was a nice surprise to see Paul McGann um, it was quite funny when I got a text from Vento after telling him go and watch this as soon as possible do not venture on Twitter or anything or you will get it spoiled because Twitter just exploded it's fair to say in regards to the fact that McGann was back um, but the one thing I have to take out of this again is semi-sadness in that that's effectively all we're going to see from McGann as the 8th Doctor it was you know it's a nice send-off that he actually got brought back to do the job which you know you have to tip your hat to Moffat in regards to that, that he decided to bring him back and have one last wee uh, flourish as the 8th Doctor himself because he is effectively the most um, performed uh, Doctor in the history of the TV show because he's effectively been the de facto Doctor since 1996 in the TV movie. So Big Finish has um, you know, been using him since then, right up and past the return of the show in 2005. So... He is the um, guy who has the most backstory, most, you know, everything in regards to his specific doctor. Um, but one final thing I'm going to say about this story is quite interesting, which has got a, probably a bit of debate going on um, online. But something I'm reasonably happy with as well is the fact that um, 
The guys at Doctor Who, Stephen Moffat, has effectively made Paul McGann's um, Big Finish stories canon because before he drinks the elixir to regenerate into this warrior doctor, he toasts his companions from during his Big Finish uh, stories. So that is Moffat effectively saying, right, okay, these stories of Paul McGann that you've listened to for these last number of years, uh, while the show was on a break and beyond, are canon. They are the history of the show, which is an amazing gift to Doctor Who fans who stuck with and uh, enjoyed the likes of Big Finish during that sort of you know gap in years between uh, when the show went um, out of uh, production and then eventually came back. That uh, the Doctor that uh, many people have enjoyed, uh, you know, getting them through the quiet times, has got his reward in that he does have an official one hundred percent canon backstory. Now, obviously, there's people that are still not going to be happy about this, etc., etc. But uh, I'm reasonably happy now that there is a proper full blown backstory, and uh, now it only really leaves us with one thing, and that is the question. We have seen uh, all regenerations except the regeneration into Christopher Eccleston's Doctor, and. Uh, well, Stephen, Mr. Moffat, you have something to pull out of your hat here. You've uh, filled us with uh, Paul McGann not being in it, you said. So um, you've pulled that wool over our eyes and you've delivered a fantastic moment for us all to enjoy uh, on the 50th anniversary. Now you just have to pull one more rabbit out the hat and that is to somehow have snuck uh, Christopher Eccleston in under the radar so we can see at the end of the 50th special John Hurd somehow uh, regenerating into... Christopher Eccleston, even a you know sleight of hand camera trick, um, that it doesn't even doesn't even have to be Eccleston, as long as we see a regeneration into something that looks remarkably like Eccleston, then I think a lot of us would be quite happy that we have officially got all the regenerations on screen somehow, but I think I've rambled on enough here. We've been going on here for about uh, including that uh, wee prequel clip that I put in there, probably about fourteen minutes, uh, almost half the length of. Um, effectively us discussing the TV movie so I will bid you a fond farewell and as I said just a reminder all of our upcoming episodes the 9th, the 10th, the 11th Doctor and our 50th anniversary have been recorded so any news that has broken since uh, their recording is not included but I think this is effectively fair to say this has been the biggest part uh, you know, of news to break since uh, we've recorded so um, yeah, sit back, relax, enjoy as uh, I give you my typical intro that you all enjoy, no doubt, uh, for the episode uh, with uh, Chris. And uh, we shall be discussing the uh, Paul McGann TV movie. So, congratulations, Mr. McGann. Uh, we were only meant to be doing one story per uh, each doctor, but uh, you're the one that gets two of your stories discussed. Well done, sir. So, um, after this little interlude we'll be back with uh, the tv movie discussion enjoy
Hello everybody and welcome to episode 75 of Operation Retroshock. I am one of your hosts, Alan Price, and once again, back alongside me, as always, is... You will obey. No, not the master, everybody, but the one, the only, Christopher Vint. Yeah, pity the world if there's more than one of me. So <laughs> well, at least you said it. <laughs> yes, I was saying it before you did. That's why. <laughs> Uh, but yes, we are back again to talk about more Doctor Who. Specifically, we're here to talk about one of the many adventures that the Doctor has had in uh, the role of a TV movie. Now, obviously, we had the older ones with Peter Cushing, such as Doctor Who and the Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD. And another one, which was just Doctor Who, I think it was, and then this one is Doctor Who the movie, which is our last jaunt into classic Who, because this is still repackaged uh, from the BBC as, um, that was really annoying me, um, from the BBC as a classic Doctor Who experience, and for me, it's not a good way to go out. Mm. It's kind of, <laughs> it's it's kind of a stepping stone it was the uh hope to relaunch doctor who but uh yeah it's going to be our episode dedicated to the eighth doctor played by paul mcgann they wanted this to kind of expose the doctor a bit more in america see if it would be successful and then hopefully maybe kind of like they're they've done a wee bit now in the modern day of doctor who and that um especially with Matt Smith he's went and done a couple of episodes in America yeah and that has helped the exposure off the actual TV show so this was probably their hope to do this you know years before the show actually even managed to uh, return to our screens yeah, you're talking about nine odd years before it came back yep 1996 this was Isn't that and, amazing and the thing is is that with a lot of BBC or a lot of English based products if you look at the Spice Girls who brought out a movie uh, if you look at you know like people trying to break America you know say like Robbie Williams or Gary Barlow and things like that but sorry to butt in but speaking of the Spice Girls there is a Doctor Who link in there because the Spice Girls movie who is their manager Richard E. Grant who plays the great intelligence da da he just doesn't look obsessed at me, everybody. It's true, though. It's you Doctor are Who getting excited about making a Doctor Who and Spice Girls link. Yes. Zig zig ah. Zig zig no. <laughs> what you Come on, say. you have to get a wee bit excited. I know you're maybe not overly fussed about talking about this specific, um, you know, incarnation of the Doctor, be it not Paul McGann's fault or anything, but the story's fault. I haven't really been enamoured since we talked about Pertwee, to be honest. I'm joking. Um... You, you should have. In yourself. fact, you should do this. I did the Colin Baker review. You should do this one by yourself. And why is up yourself? <laughs> You're just a lazy bum. <laughs> he just threw things across the place, and I would have just laughed if that wrecked your laptop screen. <laughs> it's all right. I need a new one anyway. But will we actually get this thing? Yeah, we'll get it into production. Right. So, <clears throat> the eighth episode of our eleven episodes dedicated to the men who have officially played the Doctor. Right. The Doctor Who TV movie kicks off and we see sort of this, it's kind of like a opening sort of a wee bit of a montage sort of stuff, kind of trying to tell us what's kind of been going on since we've last seen the Doctor. But the big sort of thing is that it's explained that um, the Master 
has uh, like he ended up like on trial on Scarrow, and the Daleks have effectively exterminated him, and um, he's used up all his uh, regeneration, so his regeneration limit is up, and uh, which kind of plays into the, sort of the debate of how many regenerations do you have? Yeah, he must die a lot more than the Doctor does. To be but honest. this this obviously um, would point us in the direction of the original regeneration limit that we all know of yeah. that it is not this some sort of galactic 253 million lives oh so um maybe it's like 12 squared or something mm, but um the master has effectively ran out of his uh, regenerations but uh the doctor agrees to take his remains back to gallifrey uh, in the tardis but the master, as such, he isn't really technically dead. Dead. Um, he's like so. This this is where it kind of go. This is where you kind of see where this sort of TV movie is going, folks. Whenever you're saying that he's not dead, dead already, people are just going, "What is he alive? Alive? Or is he alive? He's dead. dead. He's dead alive. He's dead alive. He's dead on." But oh this is what I'm meaning. This is where you kind of see what you know. No offense, American listeners, but that. There was obviously American individuals involved in this TV movie that didn't really know the proper ins and outs of the show and had a few sort of over-the-top sort of ideas. But back on track, the Master isn't really dead. He's kind of this sort of shapeless sort of blob creature morphing sort of thing. Uh, and he Mighty ends up morphing, not nearly dead, master splodge. That, <laughs> but he ends up causing the TARDIS to make an emergency landing on Earth in San Francisco. Is this m- after um, Sylvester McCoy has lifted the sonic screwdriver and used it the wrong way? That had to be blurred out. Yes. 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 This all occurred, but um, the TARDIS lands in San Francisco in the wonderful year that was nineteen ninety nine. It feels so long ago now. Doesn't it? But, uh, of course, when this TV movie came out, it was three years in the future. Oh so my. everything was so exciting. Um, <laughs> it really wasn't. <laughs> Millennium Bug was coming up. And Y2J, Chris Jericho, was going to de- debut in the WWF. Can we talk about that instead? No, we can't. But uh, the Doctor ends I like up... his jacket. The Doctor ends up uh, exiting the TARDIS and finds himself in... The middle of this sort of gang violence Isn't street stuff. Isn't that where the stuff. master goes through, either like the lock on the TARDIS? Yeah, he's he's, he's sneaks, he yeah. sneaks out of it, he basically. across the border. <laughs> it's, there's just wrestling references now. But, <laughs> I'm going to see if anything I can do. But uh, in this sort of moment, there's this sort of the gang violence um, that a future... Well, can you really call them a companion? Because it's one thing. Acquaintances? But well, or yes, brothers? we'll class them as what a, about brothers? We'll class them as an acquaintance. Brothers. We'll class them as an acquaintance. Because he's not really the companion companion for this story. <laughs> it's this is just, see everybody, this is just gonna go ugh. But uh, sorry, we're sounding we're sounding a lot more damning than we really should be. I just be, love the fact that your work, your way of explaining things is to by, is by adding the same word <laughs> to that. <laughs> I think it's really good, good. I know it isn't it. Yes, yes. Isn't it? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Calm down, dear. There's another wrestling reference. Oh, dear Lord. But um, 
at the end of this sort of gang violence uh, where <laughs> the acquaintance is called Chang Lee um, not Chung Lee for you Street Fighter fans um, he was going to get shot by the gang but the doctor gets in the middle of it and he ends up getting shot which is kind of a wee bit sad that that's the way he eventually you know it leads up to his eventual demise you know he doesn't die of the gunshot yeah you know, but he, he ends up meeting it leads him to he ends up meeting the undertaker due to that <laughs> no Chris please don't don't please don't continue this I beg you please but uh, I says no but your eyes say yes <laughs> no I say no but uh, anyway the doctor is brought to uh, the nearest hospital where surgeon Dr. Grace Holloway um, who is you know, obviously it's a heart surgeon because she's not going to you know, be anything else when he's been shot in the heart um, she attempts to save his life but stuff goes wrong in the procedure simply because the fact of the doctor as we all know everybody has two hearts and she thinks you know she's meant to be in a certain place in the heart and it turns out she's not because he has two hearts and it all goes tits up <laughs> and she ends up causing the doctor to die and she's like I want to see his x-rays I want to see his x-rays because she knows something's not kind of quite right here but the interesting thing that you can kind of take from this is that uh, this is the first companion to in fact kill the doctor before she becomes a friend and companion it's a bit of a weird thing it's a bit of a weird thing but it's it's a bit strange but obviously we see Martha who is in the role of like a doctor who meets the doctor mm -hmm. but you know like obviously she sees that here's the two hearts and go like are you having problems find out where that is um, but it, yeah it's a bit it's a bit strange that in order for her to be the companion she effectively tried to operate on the doctor to save his life and ended it but ended up saving his For life forcing a regeneration forcing a regeneration which I would have to say would probably be one of the weirdest regenerations yeah, that we have we'll, we'll talk about that now um, it's not an immediate generation like we have seen with the vast majority of regenerations I think this is probably alongside Tenant for one of the longest times between what has caused your demise yeah. and your eventual regeneration Yes, um, because his body is carted away as a John Doe uh, no name uh, corpse uh, to the morgue and it's lying there overnight and uh, we just see sort of lightning and stuff happening like he's, you just see like twitching it's twitching and there's yeah. flashes of like lightning and stuff like that and you kind of see him start to kind of scrunch <coughs> up his face and stuff yeah. like that and like you start to farted. make start to make noise and noises and stuff like that and groans and stuff and basically kind of it's almost like a yawn sort of a groan and you just kind of see the face sort of change shape as yeah. he's doing that and he turns into Paul McGann that way. The only thing I like way. about that is whenever he kind of sets up the light just goes on his eyes yes. which kind of indicates that we've got a different doctor here. Yes but uh, this individual is not 100% sure of who he is a wee bit like um, 
Matt Smith when he became the Doctor. He was, you know, he's a bit discombobulated and wasn't really sure yeah. about what he wanted or who he was and stuff. But the kind of cool thing during this whole um, part is that uh, the Doctor manages to escape the morgue, obviously, and the Doctor needs an outfit. And this is where we got a couple of wee harkbacks to previous Doctors because you saw the stereotypical Tom Baker scarf. Mm-hmm. And things like that before he kind of settles on the sort of what would you kind of describe it as sort of apparently it's, a, it's meant to be a homage to like what Hartnell wears, but almost yeah. looks to me like what Pertwee. That's wears. what I was about to say. To me, it seems a bit more Pertwee. Yeah. Than anything, it's that sort of dapper, sort of smart, sort of almost sort of got a bit of a Victorian influence yeah. to it as yeah. well. It's got that sort of bright look to it. Doesn't pull it up. But well. uh, needless to say. Um, not to be forgetting about the master himself. The master's plan in this is to the master plan. Get it? Oh my! Oh my! God. Swoosh, slam dunk. Grandmaster um, sex say plan. <laughs> uh, yes, the master. Slap you. <laughs> the master is played by Eric Roberts, who you may know from Best of the Best fame and um, Batman. Oh yes, and Dark, Batman, Dark Knight, and stuff like and that. Batman, yes, the Dark Knight. That's it right. was a wee bit better than that. I forgot about that. But. The master the best was a good fellow. The master himself. No. The master himself is not actually Eric Roberts. What the master wants to do is his blob form. It, he wants to take over the doctor's body, and as a result, have the doctor's remaining generations, generations, regenerations, as a result of this. But in the meantime, he needs to find a host body. And the host body is, in fact, an ambulance driver who is Eric Roberts. So, leading on from that, um, Chang Lee um, gets influenced by the master because Chang Lee is—he's Chang Lee's effectively a bit of a chancer. You know, he, we saw him at the beginning. There was this whole gang stuff going on, and he tried to claim that he was a family friend of the doctors mm-hmm. and uh, basically stole his uh, belongings from the hospital so he's kind of you know he's a bit of a mystery in this you're kind of like is he good is he bad what's going on here but he does effectively end up getting controlled and uh, lied to by the master the master builds it up that um the doctor has in fact stolen his actual body so that the body the doctor is in is actually the master's and that the doctor is in fact the bad person in all of this but as we progress it's not right, exactly the most simple plot in the world like is it <laughs> basically he's in my body and i'm in his body and i want my body back but in body snatchers mm-hmm. but again as we progress through this the doctor eventually figures out who he is and sort of this sort of revelation scene in uh, the park where he's like you know the shoes fit and he's bouncing up and down mm-hmm. you know and stuff like that and that's when we eventually see the doctor's first proper on screen kiss um, doesn't he say something about jelly babies as well yes that is upcoming um, but this is that kind of threw a bit of a curveball to all Doctor Who fans who are like oh the doctor shouldn't be getting kissed by companions and stuff like that I don't know why I did that specific voice but um, 
he finally realises who he is and I suppose he's a kiss Dalen wearing Dalen son of a gun <laughs> you're lucky you don't get slapped right now but nonetheless we also kind of get a bit of a revelation here that according to the people who made the TV movie the doctor is half human on his mother's side oh my god so we've almost got a bit of a Spock Star Trek moment going on here everybody because Spock is half human half Vulcan so apparently they decided you know what we'll do we'll decide to make the doctor half human which makes zero sense I think this has kind of been a bit retconned I think this was just like you know a lot of people don't consider this canon really because of no. that as well you know there's if you skipped over this TV movie, you wouldn't really miss anything out of no. Doctor Who history, really. No. Because at the end of the day, the Master ends up coming back in New Who. So <laughs> it's a case of... So effectively, his end of regeneration cycle sort of issue has kind of been forgotten about. So we don't have to worry about that, really. I want to get a better Master. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it's a case that... Uh, the master scheme is going to end up bringing across, you know, the classic thing as you do, you know, the destruction of Earth, you know, at midnight, 31st of December. So is that old chestnut. So that old chestnut, when it turns to the year 2000, the master's going to destroy the Earth. That sort of stuff. Oh no! And it's this whole, it's this whole build up, it's this whole build up to that that you got the jelly baby comment. Where um, I do think that's actually that was actually a nicely done bit of a scene. <coughs> it gave you a glimpse at sort of the Doctor that um, McGann could have been. You know, there's a bit more character in it. In that he uses the jelly baby thing to trick the police officer because he manages to get the police officer's gun. But being the Doctor that, as we know, who doesn't like to use weapons, instead of pointing it at the uh, policeman and saying, "You know, get out of my way," and so on. He points the gun at himself and he says, you know, let me go or I'll shoot myself. It's the only way the doctor kind of knows how to work the situation. But uh, nonetheless, we progress on. And uh, the master is in the TARDIS and uh, it's all about the Eye of Harmony within the TARDIS, uh, the cloister room. So let's just say at the end of it all... Uh, Chang Lee realises that the Master has in fact been lying to him this whole time, that uh, the Master is chancing his arm and wanting to take the Doctor's regenerations, and the Master ends up getting sucked into the Eye of Harmony uh, in the Cloister Room, and uh, the Doctor bids farewell to Grace and Chang Lee, who, as I said, Chang Lee saw the error in his way, but uh, he departs in the TARDIS as the world celebrates the new millennium. <laughs> you sound so riveted by this. I'm sorry, but it's just... You know, like, McGann... Uh, how do I put this into words? For me, McGann is this kind of half McGann, half McCoy. You know, but it's a case of you're not really... If anyone's not seen McCoy before, then it's pointless. Mm. They should have just made this all about McGann and then just throwing McGann into it and said, like, you know, like, the Doctor's past, past self, you know, like, was shot and regenerated in this new form. Now we find him in, you know, like, newly regenerated and then have him have, like, an hour and a half instead of, you know, half that time. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, it's, like, but you can see why they put... 
McCoy in there because there would have been a huge part of Doctor Who fandom that would have went oh but what happened to McCoy yeah but I'm saying if they'd done like a, instead of doing like a half an hour thing to do with him mm-hmm. just give him like a five minute thing and then just have him there mm-hmm. very quickly what are you saying like have him as part of the montage that was at the beginning yeah yeah yeah, and do it that way instead and then give him again on the run of the place you know so he has more time to get his teeth sank into the role because it's really only in the big finish stuff that you actually find out how how good of a doctor he could have been and this is only by him doing like us doing voices you know like now um this is just like by him putting his voice with um you know like his companions and things like that but you know like obviously we see the regeneration from 78 but we don't see one from 8 to 9 there's a lot of fan made stuff that say what it could have looked like and what could have happened etc um but um no, for me, just wasn't getting enough time. Um, you're never, you're never going to have much of a chance if you try to make the sort of possible relaunch of a show just a TV movie. Yeah, because you're so limited. You know, it's a case of every single Doctor. It takes you a number of episodes, not only as you, the viewer to get used to and see what style of doctor they're going to be but also the actual (laughs) but actually the individual who is going to be playing the doctor it takes them a few episodes and a few uh tries to see what exactly they want from the doctor yeah and you know it was pretty much damned from the beginning Yes, in that aspect, it still is damned. So it is. You know, if they'd made this a number of instead of making it a TV movie, if they'd made it like a mini series, made it like six episodes or something like that. Yeah, tried something along those lines. It might have worked out a bit for the better. But at the end of the day, no offense to Paul McGann, I'm happy things panned out the way they are because yeah. we got it the way we wanted in the end of the day, and that was getting the likes of David Tennant and all eventually in the role of the Doctor. Goodness knows what the future of Doctor Who may have been if we hadn't actually ended up having this TV movie and it not doing as well as it did. Yes, I would agree there. But I don't think there's much way for us to actually, you know, talk and discuss about companions really because it's the same sort of thing of what I'm saying uh, in regards to McGann's Doctor. They aren't given much of an opportunity either. You know, they're given, well, they're I very, think it, I she, think Grace is very, your stereotypical companion yes she is shown to be a very smart person she's a you know a cardiac doctor you know she's a very educated individual but you don't really get to see much yeah. from her it's yeah. very much run around after the doctor i don't think it's fair to compare her to one of the other ones who we've seen like mm-hmm. in numerous stories and things like that so i think this will be the time where we don't compare them mm-hmm. um so we'll not do that but but let's let's go about it like this right Story aside, would you have liked to, you know, take into big finish whatever you want? You know, take that into account if you want. Would you have liked to either see McGann get another opportunity to play the Doctor uh, in terms of a series, or would have you liked to have at least seen McGann come back for the fiftieth? Just have another chance. Yes, I would have liked to have seen him. Um, appear in the 50th or do something but you know like I think they've asked him you know like several times it's like no I think he's very much like the Eccleston 
you know, like Atkinson says no, but it's a case of, you know, he's still involved by doing the big finish things, but, um, you know, like, who knows what we'll see in the 50s? From what, from what I've picked up from him, it's a case of, he mainly says, you know, he's negative about it in the sense of, he doesn't feel they're going to call and ask, uh-huh. you know, but I think he would be extremely open to do something if he was asked. It's just a case of, I find it extremely weird that they didn't decide to do something with him for this 50th in some shape or form be it you know a cameo or something simply because you know he's the he still looks remarkably like he did back in 1996 he's aged really really well yeah and if you put a bit of makeup on him you know and stuff like that you'd be pushed to see a difference from him back in the 1996 movie. Yeah, especially if you put a wig or something on him. Yep, exactly. So, you never know we could see something in the future. Sure, you know, as has been mentioned, you know, there's been the two Doctors with uh, Colin Baker and Troughton. We could be surprised in the future we could see the 8th Doctor Paul McGann crossover with Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor. That is the gloriousness that is Doctor Who in that aspect. True. We shall have to wait and see. We've got three. We've got two, three, and five Doctors. We need to have seven, the seven Doctors now. I don't think we'll get the seven Doctors. Well, you could have Tom Baker. You could have Peter Davison. You could have Sylvester McCoy. You could have McGann. You could have a Tennant. You could have Smith, and then you can have Capaldi. Te- te- so te- have technically, eight. we already have had them all in an episode, which was, you know. In their most recent series of Doctor Who, you know, with all the flashbacks and stuff like that. Oh, no, but you're that. I know, I know, I know. My God. Will we round this up then? Yes, please. For I rest in peace. I'm going to round this out, everybody. <laughs> um, Chris may not be back for the next episode, just so you know, because uh, he might, uh, in fact, be as he said, resting uh, with uh, certain individuals six feet under. But um, as always, I've been Alan Price. He's been Chris Fint. Uh, Make sure to join us again in just a few more days for our discussions in regards to the return of Doctor Who, prim and proper, new Doctor Who, with the ninth Doctor, Christopher Eccleston. And the episode, you will just have to wait and see what we talk about back to the mystery everybody but uh, until then i bid you a very fond farewell